the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to another new edition of Vatican Insider. Before I look at the top news stories of the week, let me tell you about my very special guest in the interview segment, Father Hans Zollner. He's a German Jesuit, theologian, and psychologist. In 2012, at Rome's Jesuit-run Gregorian University, he founded and was president of the Center for Child Protection. In April 2021, that became the Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity, and Care that he now directs. Father is a licensed psychotherapist and is regarded as one of the leading ecclesiastical experts in the field of safeguarding from sexual abuse, especially, of course, in the Catholic Church. We talk about the Institute, also known as the Safeguarding Institute, the courses and degrees it offers, and how dioceses around the world are adopting similar programs. Don't miss a word of this conversation. Now, the news highlights of the week. Sunday, October 30th, after praying the Angelus with the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis expressed his sorrow for the over 150 people killed at a Halloween street party in Seoul, South Korea's capital. The country's Catholic bishops are calling for a thorough investigation into the causes. Over 150 people are dead and another 82 are injured after being crushed and trampled at a Halloween street party. Most of them were young people who suffocated to death. Francis said, Let us pray to the risen Lord for all those, mostly young people, who died last night in Seoul from the tragic consequences of a sudden crowd stampede. On Sunday also, the Pope prayed for the victims of the terrorist attack in Somalia. Twin car bomb explosions on Saturday outside Somalia's Education Ministry building in Mogadishu killed at least 100 people and injured more than 300 others. As we celebrate Christ's victory over evil and death, we pray for the victims of the terrorist attack in Mogadishu, which killed more than 100 people, including many children, said the Pope. May God convert the hearts of the violent. Monday, October 31st. Pope Francis released his prayer intention for November, inviting everyone to pray for the millions of children who are suffering around the world, especially for those who are homeless, orphans, and victims of war. Also Monday, Pope Francis, in a meeting with members of Italy's Coppercom that coordinates communications associations, stressed four main points or objectives to enable them to work in a timely and effective manner. He highlighted coordination, change, encounter listening and speaking, and the synodal path. He also entrusted each member to St. Francis de Sales, patron of journalists and communicators, and to Blessed Carlo Acutis, who shows us how important it is to be creative and ingenious in the world of digital communication. Also Monday. Pope Francis received members of the Ecclesial Coordination for the 800th anniversary of the death of St. Francis of Assisi as they begin a three-year period of preparation that will culminate in 2026. The Holy Father said that when he chose the name Francis, he recognized that Francis of Assisi was a popular but also misunderstood saint. 
The source of the saint's devotion to peace, to poverty, to creation, was Jesus Christ and St. Francis's faith in him. From this source, said the Pope, Francis received an abundance of the Holy Spirit who urged him to imitate Jesus and follow the gospel to the letter. The Pope said the upcoming anniversary will not be just a ritual commemoration if it's able to understand together both the imitation of Christ and love for the poor. This will be possible, he added, thanks to the atmosphere that emanates from the different Franciscan places in Italy, and these will be at the center of the celebrations. Tuesday, November 1st, All Saints Day. At the Angelus, Pope Francis invited the faithful to pray for the upcoming apostolic journey to Bahrain, November 3rd to 6th, so that, quote, every meeting and event might be a fruitful opportunity to promote, in the name of God, the cause of fraternity and peace, which our times so desperately and urgently need. St. Peter's Square was crowded with faithful, as All Saints Day is a holiday in Italy as well as in the Vatican. The Vatican also marks November 2nd, All Souls Day, as a holiday. My trip will be a journey under the banner of dialogue, said the Pope, adding that he will have the opportunity to engage with religious representatives, particularly Islamic. The Pope also used the period after the Angelus to ask for prayers for Ukraine, a request he has made continually since the outbreak of war in the country. Dear brothers and sisters, please, let us not forget martyred Ukraine. Let us pray for peace. Let us pray there might be peace in Ukraine. Wednesday, November 7th, All Souls Day. Pope Francis presided at Mass in St. Peter's Basilica for the repose of the souls of those cardinals and bishops who died in the last year. After Mass, he went to the small, historical, and very beautiful Teutonic Cemetery in Vatican City. He's made visiting cemeteries on All Souls Day a hallmark of his pontificate. The Holy Father stopped briefly for private prayer and blessed a number of the tombs with holy water before returning to his residence in the nearby Casa Santa Marta. In the afternoon, as is his custom, before embarking on an apostolic trip, Pope Francis went to St. Mary Major Basilica to pray before the beloved icon of Salus Popoli Romani. During this, his hundredth visit to the Basilica in his pontificate, he entrusted Our Lady with his three-day journey to Bahrain that starts Thursday. During his visit, the Holy Father will address the Bahrain Forum for Dialogue, a conference that will focus on the theme East and West for Human Coexistence. Thursday, November 3rd, Pope Francis departed Rome this morning for Bahrain on his 39th foreign apostolic trip. Before leaving for the airport, Pope Francis met with three Ukrainian refugee families hosted by Italian families. They were all accompanied by the papal almoner, Cardinal Conrad Krajewski. Once on the plane, due to knee pain, the Pope did not make the usual rounds among the journalists on the papal flight, but instead asked them to come up for a greeting. On his arrival at 4.45 local time, the Pope made a courtesy visit to King Hamad at the Sakir Royal Palace and he met with Bahrain's authorities, civil society, and diplomatic corps. I express my deep gratitude, said Francis, to His Majesty for his invitation to visit the Kingdom of Bahrain, his warm and gracious welcome, and his kind words. I greet you all most cordially. 
I'd like to address a word of friendship and affection to everyone living in this country, to each believer and individual, and to the members of every family, which the Constitution of Bahrain defines as the basis of society. To all, I express my joy to be in your midst. Friday, November 4th, the Holy Father is scheduled to attend the closing session of the Bahrain Forum for Dialogue. He'll also meet privately with the Grand Imam of Al-Akhsar and hold an audience with members of the Muslim Council of Elders. Later, he'll hold an ecumenical meeting and prayer for peace in Our Lady of Arabia Cathedral in Awali. Saturday morning, the Holy Father is due to preside at Holy Mass in the Bahrain National Stadium for the country's Catholic population. He will also meet with young people at Sacred Heart School later in the day. His apostolic visit to Bahrain ends on Sunday morning with a prayer meeting with local bishops, priests, consecrated persons, seminarians, and pastoral workers at the Sacred Heart Church in Manama. He leaves for Rome the same day, arriving about 5 p.m. local time. Well, those are the week's news highlights, but stay right here for my conversation with Jesuit Father Hans Zollner, founder and director of the Gregorian University's Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, also known as the Safeguarding Institute. It's not just what you report or how you report the news. It's how many people you touch with the truth. This election season, turn to EWTN News for in-depth news analysis and commentary as our anchors, reporters, editors, and bloggers maintain a continuous faithful watch on newsmakers and events that are important to Catholics. Visit EWTNNews.com election. Are you prepared to vote? The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1706, says, By his reason, man recognizes the voice of God which urges him to do what is good and avoid what is evil. Everyone is obliged to follow this law. Learn more so you're prepared when you vote this November. Visit EWTN.com vote for everything Catholic voters need to know before picking up a ballot. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. I want to welcome my listeners to another great new edition of Vatican Insider with a real special guest this weekend, and that's Father Hans Zollner. Now, he's a German Jesuit, a theologian, and a psychologist, and he's founder of the Institute of Anthropology, Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity, and Care. And that's going to be called the Institute from now on in the interview. And he directs that, founded it, and, and directs it. And Father's a licensed um, a psychotherapist and regarded as one of the leading ecclesiastical experts in the field of safeguarding from sexual abuse, especially, of course, in the Catholic Church. So, Father Hans, welcome to Vatican Insider. Thank you very much. You know, it's very exciting to, to be here, and I'm in the administrative offices of the Institute. The actual classrooms, which we'll talk about in a minute, are at the Gregorian University. Now, just a little background about Father to understand where he's coming from and more about the Institute. He has a doctorate in theology from the University of Innsbruck. 
He got a licentiate in psychology at the Institute of Psychology at Rome's Pontifical Gregorian University. That's a, a Jesuit university. And then in 2012, at the Greg, he founded, you founded, and was president of the Center for Child Protection, the CCP. And then in April, just last year, that became the Institute of Anthropology, etc., which we spoke of a, a minute ago. So, but Father, let's tell us about yourself and your your path to Rome, how you were directed to your studies, and eventually here in Rome. Yeah, I grew up in Regensburg, in the center of Bavaria, in the south of uh, Germany, the city where Pope Benedict was professor of theology. I love Regensburg. <laughs> oh, yes, it is a beautiful city. Um, of course, I studied there when he had already been appointed to be the Archbishop in Munich and then later became uh, the Prefect of the Congregation for Doctrine. Right. However, I entered, after high school, I entered the seminary of my home diocese as a seminarian, but soon discovered that I would rather not be a, a diocesan priest, but a religious. So I discovered Ignatian Jesuit spirituality, discovered the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, and after my studies in philosophy and theology, I entered uh, the Jesuits in southern Germany. Um, and then I worked, after novitiate, I worked in the U university chaplaincy of Munich, a state university, and discovered my interest in accompanying people. So my provincial of that time and myself, we decided that um, it would be good that I study psychology. So I was uh, missioned here uh, to, to do the training in academic psychology and the psychotherapeutic training from 1994 to 97. And then um, I was chaplain again at uh, a high school, in, uh, in a boarding school of the Jesuits in southern Germany. But then the Institute of Psychology requested my presence here for uh, teaching. And, uh, that's why I came back to Rome in 2003, and since then I have been teaching at the Gregorian University, first in psychology and since two years now in the Institute of Anthropology, which we also call the Safeguarding Institute. Um, oh, that's good to know. Yes, we have a shortcut yeah. for that long <laughs> name. Uh, that is Because your initials are IADC, but then if somebody says, what does that mean? Right. You have to go into the whole title. Exactly. So the Safeguarding Institute, the Safeguarding another, Institute. another title. Well, I have to say, I when I started working at the Vatican many years ago, I wanted to improve my knowledge of many subjects, and I enlisted in a few courses at the Greg, and also pardon me, but at the Angelica, I studied canon law. Well, Father Joe Fox, an American, was you teaching. You are forgiven for that. Yes, thank you. He was teaching canon law. So I, um, but I wanted to broaden my knowledge of biblical studies. I had to learn Spanish. We were going to be using Spanish in our office. But I didn't know till recently that there was psychology that was being taught at the grade. That's absolutely fascinating. Especially, the Institute was established after uh, the vocational crisis um, following immediately on Vatican Council II period. Um, uh, the two Italian Jesuits who uh, founded the Institute at the beginning of the 1970s had uh, their degrees from the University of Chicago. Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, one was uh, a medical doctor and the other was a philosopher, but both trained also as psychologists and psychotherapists in Chicago. And I'm a Chicago girl. Yeah, <laughs> very good. And, and they came back with uh, a research on the motivations uh, on a conscious and an unconscious level that brings people to, to choose 
a religious vocation or to enter the seminary and why they leave that vocation. And uh, that research, original research, got uh, the European Prize of the Society for Psychology of Religion, so it was a, a really uh, a high mark in, uh, in, in the scientific research community. And the speciality of this institute till now is that it's, uh, as I said, a combination of academics and of uh, the uh, practical, the professional uh, formation of psychotherapists, meant to intervene in seminary formation and in religious formation, which means the formation sure. and education of young religious, male and female. And, and that is what the work has been for more than 50 years now. That's fascinating. I did not know that, that history. I was aware a little bit of the history, of course, um, of the institute that the Center for Child um, Protection and assisted a number of times at press conferences at the Greg and, and that work, and which became a really big thing, I think, after 2002 when it was revealed, um, starting with the Archdiocese of Boston in the U.S., so many cases coming forward in the U.S., and then all the cardinals were called to Rome by Pope John Paul at the time. And then people began in other countries to look into possible clerical sex abuse. And um, there was a need for a body in Vatican City, which we have with Cardinal Sean um, O'Malley at its head. <clears throat> and then obviously the, the Center for Protecting Children and, and now the, um, the Institute. And in the center, your focus was providing internet-based training for Catholics anywhere in the world on the protection of children from, from sexual abuse. So now you've established the institute that was last year um, of anthropology, and what is the most significant aspect of such a change going from the um, Center for Child Protection to this institute and its degrees, etc.? There are two sides to that. Uh, one is center to institute, and the other side is from child protection to dignity, human dignity and care of vulnerable people. The first part is very easily explained by the need to find uh, a structure within the university uh, that gives, uh, 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 let me say, that allows for a full-fledged um, institute to, to flourish, in terms of providing its own, awarding its own degrees, degrees. academic degrees, and <clears throat> um, uh, giving the possibility uh, to the faculty to to develop their own academic um, careers, which was not the case with a center in our in our structure. A center Actually. doesn't have its own faculty and can't award its own degrees. So that was one let me say, academic upgrade that we have received and which puts us in the same position like other institutes and to some extent also of the faculties of the university. Sure. The second point is much more important in the sense that uh, 10, 11 years back when we started with the Center for Child Protection, everybody was focusing mainly on uh, the abuse that had been committed uh, against minors of age uh, and uh, everything was seen in psychological, psychiatric, or legal and canonical terms. Mm -hmm. That has changed over time, uh, not least because of developments that took place in the United States, like the Me Too movement in right. 2017, uh, uh, and the case of the former Cardinal McCarrick. 
and the abuse of seminarians that came uh, to the spotlight. Um, uh, and then Pope Francis himself put another point on the agenda, that is the abuse of religious women by clergy in some parts of the world. Uh, so we have we have seen an expansion of the field and of uh, all those topics that we need to address when it comes to sexual abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, or the abuse of power in general. So we needed to broaden, in any case, our perspective. We could not stay only focused on child protection, sure. although, of course, that remains a priority within our work uh, for the blended learning, the e-learning programs, as well as the residential programs. Uh, so child protection, of course, is one of our main right. focuses, but it can't be uh, the only one. So no. we need also to, to talk about the protection of vulnerable persons. Yes, because a lot of people weren't thinking of the adult level where there, there could be so much abuse. You know, I had a conversation with a theological, um, a theologian friend um, about the Institute, and, and the question came up that since having an anthropology presumes having a vision of man that is unified and systematic, how does the Church, which seeks to integrate philosophical, theological, and scientific views in a harmonious way, how does the Church deal with a hostile, secular anthropology that's um, ever more materialistic and individualistic, as if human nature um, had no reality except that which the individual or the culture determines? Now, of course, we are a Catholic university, we are a pontifical university, and we, are, we stand on the grounds of a Christian and Catholic anthropology, which, which means that we consider everything that has been said um, alongside uh, the uh, theological uh, development over the centuries by the magisterium, so by the ecclesiastical and, and the pontifical um, doctrine that has been promulgated and has been published. So for us, of course, um, this is the basis. Um, and the more we can also reasonably explain what that means and how uh, an integrated view, for example, of human sexuality, an integrated view uh, and a respectful view of human relationships, of keeping the proper boundaries, helps us to live out our human life, let alone our Christian life, uh, will make us more credible within um, modern society. And I believe that many people see uh, of late that there are uh, things uh, in the public discussion that, that bring us uh, to the point of really looking for an orientation. So we need to research, we need, right. we need to explain ourselves, we need to find a language that is understandable. We cannot pretend that people understand our traditional language because... Sure. Many people don't have any access to that anymore and they don't have any knowledge about right. uh, what certain words that we use normally and regularly mean. So we need also to find a way to explain it for today's, today's society and for the people who are looking for an orientation and for some, some guidance that they, can, that they can rely on what, uh, what within the Bible and in Catholic tradition is valuable for that purpose. Exactly. Now, the um, university's website went, the university, when it announced the, um, the new institute, it said, 
With this institute, the Pontifical Gregorian University reiterates and intensifies its commitment to the work of protecting minors and vulnerable people, as you just explained, and supporting safe environments that promote respect for human dignity. At the same time, said the website, this conversion will deepen the interdisciplinary dimension of education and research, and that sounds like what you were just referring to, as well as, of course, uh, addressing issues surrounding abuse and, and prevention. Yeah, I mean, the, the Gregorian University, since 2011, uh, 2012, when we started with the Center for Child Protection, right. has has taken a lead in this, and I'm very happy that uh, the university leadership over the years have uh, stood very firm in, in this commitment. Indeed. And, and has given us the possibility uh, to, to work and then now also uh, to, to expand that work. Um, we have had, in our university, we have had, of course, uh, a lot of activities, a lot of events, international events like the first one, the 2012 Symposium towards uh, Healing and Renewal that started, uh, let me say, a new era of um, taking note of what has happened in the past uh, and also laid the groundwork for an international, truly Catholic uh, commitment to safeguarding measures. That was at the same time, basically, when the Center for Child Protection uh, initiated its activities in the training as an academic institution, of course, we believe that uh, education, formation, training, uh, and uh, uh, coming to uh, research uh, um, is centerpiece of what we need to do as an academic institution sure. to, to equip people to do the best uh, so that uh, the church becomes a safer place uh, for young people and for all people, actually. And um, the university has also hosted, for example, in 2017, uh, an event that, for, from my point of view, was, was quite important uh, under the title Child Dignity in the Digital World. Oh, yes. Because I believe that this, the digital world, with all its pros and cons, is uh, the, the space of most risk for young people today in terms of all kinds of bullying, or mobbing, uh, and all kinds of sexual interaction among youth and surely also among adults, uh, with adults and youth. Oh, yeah. Oh, it can be so poisonous at times, and, and things can even just pop up on your screen that, <coughs> that you haven't asked for or haven't been researching, and, and especially with a younger generation, an open mind, a questioning mind, um, they can be really taken off track. That's all the time I have this week with Jesuit Father Hans Zollner. But come back next weekend to hear more from the founder of the Gregorian University's Institute of Anthropology and Interdisciplinary Studies on Human Dignity and Care, also known as the Safeguarding Institute. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.